Hey everybody, welcome to the Mary and Tom Show. I'm, wait a second, Mary? Yes. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm Tom. I'm Mary. Today's November 2nd, and it's my birthday. Hooray! Yay! And this is our show, too. Yep. It's, our bir- it's your birthday and our show. Yep. Huzzah! This is our 60th episode. Yay! And so we're going to be answering questions that people sent to us uh, online. Uh, we got a whole page full of questions. There might be more questions coming in, in which case we'll answer those on a future podcast, like like next time. But we got plenty to keep us occupied this time. So, what's our first question? This is from Scott Muldoon. Just how great is Bits Creek? Pretty great, I think. Do you remember when we went to Origins? They had a kids Bits Creek event. They were giggling like maniacs, chucking dice all over the place. They had tanks, baby tanks. Okay, next question is from Steve Carey. Do you foresee a point in the future when the Hollenspiel catalog has expanded even further that some titles will eventually go out of print? In other words, does the company have a cap on how many games it plans to keep active in its catalog? That's a good question. That's one we've actually discussed a bit between you and me uh, over the last year or so because we definitely are publishing more games than we initially expected to. We expected to publish 10 or 11 games a year and we're aiming more for 20 a year. We don't quite get there, but that's what we aim for. Now, all the games uh, are on a licensing arrangement where generally we license the games for a limited period of time. And this next year will be the first year that some of those licenses will be expiring. Most of them will be renewed, I think. Okay, Steve Carey has another question. Is there any chance that you could reprint Union versus Central? <laughs> um, the answer to that one is no. <laughs> um... I haven't played Union vs. Central. I've heard very good things about it, but I've also heard it's like an eight-hour two-player train game uh, from Winsome, published in 1999, I think. Having worked with John on the Winsome games that I've designed and having talked with him about the business, I, I, I know what his kind of perspective is to some degree. I don't think he's particularly interested in licensing games to a publisher that's uh, a print-on-demand publisher the way we are, which doesn't have access to a distribution network, can't get it into stores. I was talking with someone who whose company is licensing a number of Winsome titles, and I, I told them uh, straight up, people are going to tell you to reprint Universe uh, Central. Don't do that. You you won't you will lose your money, and and so. While we, as a publisher, can take risks, and we do, licensing a game from Winsome, uh, putting that expense into it, it doesn't really make sense for us. I don't think it really makes sense for Winsome. We can't afford the billion dollars he wants up front. It's not a billion dollars, but it, it, it's, a, it's a fair... You know, and I benefited from that because the games that they've licensed to other... other uh, Publishers that that I've that I've designed, right? Um, that the licensing fee, that's that, that advance that's split fifty fifty between the designer and between Winsome. So I mean I'm I'm all for that that licensing fee, but it's not something that we could take on. Like that that vastly increases the the point in which we break even, and our whole kind of model works on having a very low break-even point. So even when a game doesn't sell particularly well, you know, we make a profit. It's, it's not necessarily a good fit for us as far as the way we do business. I don't think it's a particularly good fit for Winston to license a game to us. Bob asks, 
What's next for Table Battles? Uh, the next expansion for Table Battles is the Gettysburg expansion, which I am working on. I'm. It, it has no dinosaurs. <laughs> has no dinosaurs. It has no cats. Ah, uh, I am like halfway. It, it may have a horse. Of the way through the design. One horse. A very small horse. So we should see that sometime early next year. Pony. <laughs> He's mad at me now. I'm not mad. <sighs> Go ahead. Explain it. No, I did. No, because I talked over you. Go ahead. That's okay. I did explain it. Well, I'll explain it in more depth. I'll probably finish up the design in the next month or so. Okay, Stephen Jacobson asks, Who would Tom cite as his primary inspirations slash influences in game design? I like Cole Worley stuff. I like Frank Chadwick's designs. They're very streamlined. I've been very impressed with a lot of the, the Mark Herman games that I played. Uh, I like the way Rachel Simmons approaches her games. People say that my stuff is pretty, you know, creative or whatnot. But I really work kind of in very traditional modes. Where someone like Simmons is just coming completely out of left field and, you know, doing her own thing. I am a big fan of the designs of Reiner Kinesia. No! <laughs> Mary's not such a big fan. Uh, High Society is my favorite auction game. And I'm a big fan of Tigris and Euphrates. And I can't say, like, th- this thing from this game is what ended up in that game of mine, but... There's no way I'm not influenced by those people whose games I enjoy. High Society is my least favorite game ever. <laughs> you played it once. I guess that was enough. Yep, that was enough. That, that's actually, that, that actually makes me really sad because that's, that's one of the games that like I really, really enjoy. And it's one of the games that you just you cannot stand. It is the game I cannot stand. Yeah, I think it's the only game you've ever refused to play. And then, yeah, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just, you know, it's sad I can't share that with you. Play it very often. <laughs> I I don't want to share that one. <laughs> yeah, I almost. I, I was tempted to try to, to buy the uh, the Osprey edition because it's a really nice edition of the game. Oh, you could look at it. There, I can look at, but yeah, there's there's no reason I stick with the eagle. You version. can play it with other people. In fact, the only the you only, have played it with other people. Yeah, the only game that I have two copies of, that we have two copies of, is Acquire. So uh, Sid Saxon would be another uh, designer who was influential, I think, because uh, Acquire particularly, also like Can't Stop, that's fun, uh, but Acquire particularly was one of the first games I played getting into the hobby, and I was really quite taken with it. And uh, Yeah, I was surprised you said Canizia before Saxon. That was... Well, I've played more Kinesia than I have Saxon. There's a lot of Saxon games I haven't gotten a chance to play yet. That's so. sad that you played more Kinesia games. Kinesia's also done, like, 300 games. Mm. The only one of Kinesia's games that I like is Tigris and Euphrates. <laughs> That's only until the end. Uh, once, yeah, I hate Once you start end. scoring, you hate the scoring. <laughs> Which is the whole... Uh. That's the whole point? It better not be the whole point. <laughs> it better be having fun. Up until that point. Otherwise, why play the game? If you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying yourself. I, I can't play a game with my only thought being the end. Or some people uh, winning the game. Well, that's not me. I, I'm not 
I want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself. Well, enjoy the people I'm playing with. Like having the experience of the game. I don't really, I don't really care about winning so much because I don't win very often. So if well, I that's not a game really. The experience of the game. Uh, there's not much to that game. <laughs> I think there's actually quite a bit to that game, but we'll agree to disagree there. I'm not agreeing. Okay, we'll disagree to disagree there then. Okay. Okay. Oh, Andrew Brown. He asks a lot of questions. First one. Do naval conflicts interest you? Have you ever considered designing or publishing a naval game? You actually had a naval game, but I you did. couldn't play. Because we didn't have any place where you could put it. Yes, I, I purchased a naval game, and the smallest scenario required two full-size maps, and our table can barely accommodate one you know, 22 by 34 full-size map. So I was looking to design a game that we played on at most a 22 by 34. And I had what I thought was a, was a surefire system, and then I started to play it, and like, it just does not work at all. Boy, I remember that one. To yeah. the point, and, you know, <sighs> when I play test stuff, stuff won't work quite the way I wanted it to or whatnot, but I've done enough of these things that I kind of know what's going to work before it gets on the table. And to have something just completely... Yeah, it just fell apart. ...immediately and just be a, a, a big mess and nothing nothing works as it's supposed to and nothing is as it should be, uh, it was very disheartening. And it actually took me a while to rebound from that. That was one of those experiences that really sapped my confidence as a designer. Yeah. I'll come back to it eventually. I do like... You like the idea... Of, of a naval game yeah. that, that, that I could you know play on a reasonably sized table. And Andrew also asks... What new games from other publishers are you interested in? This is nothing against uh, other publishers, but you know that old chestnut about how once you start publishing and designing games for a living, that's, you only kind of work on your own stuff? That's pretty much been the case for us. We bought a handful of games. What was the last game we bought? Uh, we know we got SPQF, the, the Grant Rodiak game, uh, which we did on the Kickstarter. And I played that, and I enjoyed it. Uh, we still have to play it together, but I think you'll enjoy it too, Mary. The deck builder. I'm interested in uh, Cole's new Pax Premier game, of course. But you know, I can't say I don't have like this long list of, of games from other publishers that uh, we've acquired or interested in acquiring because we tend to just kind of stick with our own stuff to a degree. Andrew also also asks, has Tom considered designing a narrative-driven solo game similar to The Hunters? So I haven't played The Hunters. When I hear like narrative. What was it? Narrative driven. Narrative driven um, solo game. Solo game. I tend to think of things that are less well, less player driven, and that's not really something I'm interested in. I really want players to have agency and for their decisions to have an impact. And I'm not the kind of person who's going to do something where you got the book full of little paragraphs or the kind of thing where you're kind of along for the ride and interesting things happen, but you're. You know, a participant to a degree, but you're not really driving the action. That's not really something that interests me at all uh, as a designer or or as a game player, to be frank. If that's what is meant by narrative-driven, then uh, probably not. I think that solo games we do have do have a strong sense of narrative. Agricola and Charlemagne, I think, you know, you are telling a story, and the game is adapting to your play style becoming harder or easier depending on the actions that you take which have an impact and so for me that that, that is a, a sense of narrative uh, but you are driving that narrative Andrew also 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 asks and this is for me 
Mary, what dinosaurs do you want to see represented in the first dinosaur table battles? Hopefully the first of several. Me too. I hope it's the first of several. Um, I love dinosaurs. They fascinate me. I would be happy to see dinosaurs from teeny tiny all the way up to gigantic. But uh, it's up to Tom whether he wants them all approximately the same size or within a range. You can't have, uh, well, you know, giant apatosaurus is stomping on everybody. That that would That'd be mean. Yeah, it would be mean. But it would probably cut the game short. So we'll we'll see how uh, how things go and um, how I can uh, how I can guide him <laughs> through the process and how many dinosaurs we can get in there. Because I am, I am working on this. This is a real thing. I'm he says on. he is. I have not <laughs> seen evidence of it, but he does say he is working on it. All right. Uh, Quentin Wallet asks, could we get some details on the next three cup game? Aurelian. Context, scope, ETA. Also, is there any chance for these solo games to become digital like a mobile app of some sort? Okay, so we'll answer the, the last part first. Uh, there is a chance because... Dinosaurs. Someone is working on an Agricola uh, mobile app version. Actually been working on that since about the time the game came out. Every few months we get an update. Though it's been a little while since we last heard from them, so we'll have to follow up with them. But that is in the works. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, as far as Aurelian uh, Restorer of the World, which is the next game in that kind of informal series, ETA is sometime early next year. Uh, Anya Ziakowska is doing the art for that game like the two previous games, but she's working on another project currently, so when she's done with that one, the next one on her schedule is going to be uh, a rally. Next time she has a whole new schedule for us. And the game is, I mean, it's, it's done design-wise. It's getting the art. The game is played over the course of six turns, which represent the, you know, about five years of Aurelian's reign, and your job is to reunite the entire Roman Empire, because you have these two splinter empires, and you're marching around and laying siege and doing battle and taking those back from usurpers. Uh, you are trying to keep enough troops on the Danube to stop uh, excursions from Germanic tribes. The game is probably faster, I would say, than, uh, certainly faster than Charlemagne, in that there's not a separate set-piece battle system. Instead, battle comes down to one die roll, and that can depend on uh, the combat strength of the enemy units and the strength of the standing army that's running around with you. You're also trying to build walls and temples, uh, in different regions to help pacify them and help defend the borders. Uh, you do not really have enough money to do all the things that you want to do. Um, because of the currency situation in the Roman Empire at that time, uh, with kind of uh, currency devaluation and, and runaway uh, inflation, uh, you basically have a system where money does not carry over from turn to turn. You can't really save up for things. You have to kind of have the money on hand when you're buying things and that makes it very tricky. It should be a shorter, quicker game with more balls in the air than Agricola had. So more akin to that kind of decision space you had with Charlemagne, but is also smaller in scale than Charlemagne, uh, both turn scale and, you know, the number of regions on the map and that. 
So it's kind of like that sweet spot between Agricola and Charlemagne is what I'm aiming for. And then after that will be the um, Shackleton game, which I'm still in the research stage on. Yeah, I'm really interested in that one. That one's probably actually going to be less of a cup adjustment game than like a, a card or deck adjustment game. I'm probably going to use cards for that, I think. There are all those photos that were taken during the expedition. And using cards would enable us to use more of those photos than doing the 5 8 inch counters would. So, Andre asks, Do you get annoyed when people, like myself, ask you repeatedly, when will the PNP version of a game go online, even though they, like myself, know that it takes about a month more than the physical game, just because they, like myself, wish that, by doing so, it would speed up the process and they, like myself, would gain a quicker access to these wonderful games. I'll let you answer that one, Mary. Um, it's slightly annoying. But I understand people would like their games and they're going to be getting it PNP and they, they'd like to get a hold of the game. They don't want to wait. Yeah. So I'm going to make you wait longer. Well, I think the problem is we have so many games with cards that's, uh, lately, yeah, that's, <laughs> and, and the cards are what take longer, because if it doesn't have cards, it's not that involved to adapt it for PMP. There's some work to be done, but the cards is considerably more work, and you know we're also getting stuff ready for the actual box games where we actually make you know, our money and pay our bills. So the PMP is kind of ancillary to that. Um, and is always going to be our kind of on the side kind of thing rather than, you know, the main focus of our of our attention and energy. Christopher Peters asks, Tom has mentioned that he was surprised that he liked Marcus Aurelius given its state of siege lineage and that he was surprised he took to Berg's dynasty the way he did. Which other games have you published that you've been surprised how much you liked it? Uh, I can't really think of, of any that have surprised to that degree. Now, now with Marcus Aurelius, the thing is, I... You detest State of Siege. I hate State of Siege games. I am not a fan. There's one or two that are okay, but I really have, like, I don't know, philosophical problems with the underlying uh, basis for that system, because you don't really have a lot of choices. You have, like, the illusion that you have choices, but you don't really have choices and decisions to make in 99% of State of Siege games to the point where on our website in our submission guidelines we have specifically stated do not send us State of Siege games. That went up after we had gotten the submission of Marcus Aurelius which that was different for me because there's actually decisions to make. You actually have this hand of cards, you have this kind of hand management thing going on what you're doing is having long lasting turn by turn impact on the board state. So it really won me over. Like, at first, when it was submitted to us, I was like, uh, State of Siege game. Uh, I, I better look at this so I can say we looked at it, but we're not going to... And I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. This is really fun. So it's okay. We did it. And uh, it turned out okay for us and uh, okay for the designer, I think. And then uh, Dynasty is the first Richard Bird game that I enjoyed. So I, I played... <laughs> And I like Richard as a person. I talked with him on the phone. We, we've talked on email now you know, since publishing his game. I like Richard. I like the way he writes rules. I haven't always enjoyed a lot of his designs that I played. But Dynasty, 
I really fell in love with, like, head over heels. Like, this is great. We should publish this. I'm not sure how much penetration we're going to get into the market with this because it's kind of an odd duck. You know, it's, it's, it's a long kind of half war game, half euro game that's probably too long for the euro gamers and too euro for the war gamers. But I really like it. So, you know, we'll do it. And we did it. Um, there was another Richard Bird game we were going to do. Yes. But we didn't, which you really liked. I, I really, really liked that one. Yes. But uh, that was... Uh, we started looking into uh, components, and it was getting expensive. Yeah. So the, that was a big issue. Were we actually going to be able to uh, publish that game at a reasonable price? While delivering on the experience we wanted to deliver yeah. on. And I, we came to the conclusion that we just were not going to be able to do that. Yeah. And it was a good game, and Richard deserved to have a good... A good copy that people could afford. Uh, I can't really think of any others, you know, where we were a surprise necessarily. I know we weren't didn't do any train games, but you know, I got a train game coming out this year, so you know, we try to keep an open mind. Um, yeah, the train games. Because I asked you that before. I said, "How about us doing train games?" I'm like, no, let's not uh, do that. No, I can't see why we would do that. Uh, but this particular game, it makes sense for us to do it, um, particularly because it's a little too weird for Winsome. And it helps test the water to see, you know, what kind of market there is for us to do uh, train games. So well, maybe we'll next time I suggest something, you'll listen to me. I do listen to you. Yeah, you listen. Science to me. or table battles is is being worked on. Doug Miller asks, "How do you feel about bird-hipped dinosaurs versus lizard-hipped dinosaurs?" Well, I'm not a hippist. You're very hip, though. <laughs> I am hip. Yes. All right, well, this has been like a super long episode, so we will... Yeah, we've been recording for almost an hour. Really? Wow. We'll be cutting it down, but, you know, we got to take you out to eat for your birthday. Yep. Happy birthday, Mary. Apparently, I get a birthday dinner. You get a birthday dinner every... This is new. This is not new. Bye, everybody. Bye.